We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Podcast, courtesy, CFD Nation. Go right now. Subscribe to Lucky Lucky Podcast on YouTube. Great content. Make sure you subscribe, share, hit the like button. And then we're available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, CFD Nation. Go there to get all your great content. Not just Lucky Lucky Podcast. But we have the other- Notre Dame channel on CFD Absolutely. Nation. Absolutely. That guy right there, he's the Dundala himself, Brian Driscoll, <laughs> the editor of Irish Breakdown. Look, let me tell you something. We decided to share with Notre Dame fans tonight because this is where we get bored on Friday night. <laughs> there was absolutely nothing on. And our phone call turns into a like an hour and a half, two-hour phone call about Notre Dame. So I said, you know what? It's another boring Friday night. Terrible NBA and college basketball being played. Let me talk Notre Dame. Let me just go ahead. And I went out on social media and said, hey, what do you guys think? And you guys responded quickly and with an affirmative to that question. So we're here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But I want to start the show off with this. Brian, this is what was on my mind. Give me the biggest shocker of the season for Notre Dame football. And then give me the biggest. Let's just start with that. Let's start with that. Give me the biggest, the most shocking thing around Notre Dame football up to this point this season. We talking like player. I mean, the biggest shocker to me is still the loss of Stanford. I mean, that's still the biggest shocker to me. Like, If you'd have told me before the year, Notre Dame's going to lose to either Stanford or Marshall, who do you think they have the best shot to lose to? I'd have said Marshall. Yeah, I think Marshall's a better team than them. I think they're better coached than Stanford. I think, and then also you look at the the aspect of, I could see Notre Dame young team second game under Marcus Freeman having the letdown after the Ohio State game. I, I wouldn't have liked it. I, I I wouldn't have predicted it, but I said, you know, I, there's an outside chance I could see that. I, I'm shocked. I still can't believe they lost to Stanford. Still, I'm, I I am much more. I would have much more. I would have predicted a 40 point win over Clemson before I would have predicted a loss to Stanford. I just, I still can't, I still can't. That That's the hardest one for me to to still get over, Sean, is that one. You know, and you it, could just tell, if you go back and watch that game and just watch David Shaw's face, the grin he has, he knew he was escaping and getting out of town. Oh, like, yo, we just stole one. Like, I have I no clue how we stole it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how we stole it, because we basically came in here saying, we're going to do everything we can to stay in this thing and give ourselves a chance. And we're actually going to walk out of here with a W. I, I, that's, I, I would definitely put that in my top three. Let me give you something for me that's extremely shocking. And I didn't think Notre Dame would struggle at the quarterback position the way they have. Yeah. It's, it's really shocking to me. And I had an opportunity to go to practices in the spring and the fall. You know, and I, I'm I'm like, yo, I didn't expect it. I knew we had two guys, no matter who won the, the battle, that were going to be a first-time starter. Either one. Is the first time going through this circus that is quarterback at Notre Dame. But I just, I'm, I'm just shocked. By even before Tyler got hurt, the struggles he had, I was shocked by, and then the up and down that Drew Pine has had. Yeah. I, I, I was shocked. I thought at least there would be a baseline of some type of consistency that both guys would have that would allow Notre Dame to be able to be balanced and operate. So I, that would be number two, right behind what you said. What's next for you? Biggest shock. Uh, uh, hmm, it's a good one. How bad the linebacker play was the first six games of the year. I think that's probably the second one for me. Yeah, you know, I I thought that was going to be a strength. I thought getting Maris back was going to be big. Put it like this, Sean. I mean, what we've seen the last three games is what I thought we were going to see all year. 
Yeah. And and yeah. it was it, it and it's kind of it's kind of crazy to see how certain positions have gone from bad to really good in such short periods of time. Meaning like there was no growth. Like linebacker play was bad, 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 good against UNOV, and then bam, excellent in two games. We saw the same right. on the offensive line. It was terrible for two games. Had a little bit of an insurgence against Cal, and then bam, it's been brilliant for six weeks or six games. But how bad the linebacker play was probably I mean, because you talk about the quarterback, that'd have been one for sure that I would have looked at, Sean. But I say, um, you know what? No, uh uh-uh. uh, I got one that's even bigger than that. Lorenzo okay. Styles, the play of Lorenzo Styles, yes, yes, has been yes. shocking to me. Like, you can't even catch the football. I mean, can't catch football, and just seeing him. Just his body language and, you know, just half you-know-what in routes and just not really invested and locked in. That's been a surprise for me. I definitely thought Lorenzo – I mean, you know, Ryan was talking about in the summer on our podcast about how he's going to break out and be like this big-time player, and I wasn't wasn't thinking to myself, man, that's a a crazy thought, Ryan. I don't don't think that's going to really happen, man. You know, it's like, yeah, I can see that. But that one – that one shocked me for real. And just to let Roderick Blackman know, I am not Malik Zaire. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Lee is actually coaching yeah. high school playoff yeah. football tonight. Yeah. So give him yeah. a break. He has another responsibility on top of lucky. I'm just filling in best I can when they try to go get that dub tonight. They should be kicking off here in, in about, what, 15, minutes. 20 minutes? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was excited about the matchup. He, he was excited. He thought they could do some damage tonight. So, well, their offense forward. has gotten hot second half of the year. If, you know what yeah. I mean? They've, they've started scoring a lot of points down the stretch. So, that's why when they flipped and made him the OC, he opened everything up. He better be he running told, RPOs or, or me and him are going to well, have some conversations. Okay. He <laughs> okay, told okay. me that the quarterback, the young quarterback, was being held back. And he, but he was yeah. like, yo, we can win with this kid. That just goes to show you the difference. In coaching and how impactful it can mm-hmm. be. And speaking of that, I'll throw another shot. From what we watched in camp, special teams. Because mm-hmm. we were wondering in camp, like, yo, who's going to be the place kicker? Man, the way the punting looked in the blue and gold game, it was like, oh, man, what is this John Sock guy going to do when he comes over? Mm-hmm. Ryan Mason's new. We've been so used to up and down. Everything being up and down with special teams in Notre Dame. Are we going to have a return game where we can actually return the ball instead of just waving our hands up in the air like we just don't care? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Catch you. And it literally has been the best unit on this not, in this program from start to finish. Yeah, Absolutely. not even close. Not, not even close. close. Like outside of field goal kicking and one punt return by BYU, the special teams yeah. has been tremendous. Yeah. Like even against Clemson, you know, we talk about the the blocked punt and they almost blocked three others, but like that one kickoff where Zach Yokum line drived. I mean, it's intentional. You could tell by his technique, he was trying to basically hit a grounder. Yeah. yeah. But Will Shipley catches it like the 13 and he's getting hit like three yards later. I mean, that the speed and just the way they get down the field, the discipline. Yeah. And the energy, I mean, you love to see it, man. That's been a, and I'll say an individual shock. If you'd have told me before the year 
that Notre Dame's offensive line will play well against Clemson, I wouldn't have been surprised. I would have expected it. It's Harry, it's Harry Stan had been their ninth game. But if you'd have told me that Josh Lugg is going to dominate Brian Bercy, I'd have been like, come on, man. You're you're mm-hmm. giving me homer takes now. Like you're, you know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Maybe Jared Patterson, maybe Blake Fisher. You know, Josh is a nice kid, good player, but nah, he's come on now. And he did. I mean, he flat out did. He whooped Brian Bercy for 60 minutes, man. It was a beautiful thing to see. Beautiful. You just watched the film. I think you put that out. Oh, on I've been watching media. it. I've been watching it tonight, man. Like I just was like, you know what? Like I'm working. I'm sitting down here in the office. Let me put this game back on again. And I'm yeah. just like, man, like to see the growth of him and Zeke Carell from game one to now has just been tremendous, tremendous. And 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 it's why we shouldn't overreact to two games about bench this kid, bench that kid. Everybody wanted Josh Lug and Zeke Carell. They wanted their scholarships removed after the first two yeah. games. Right. And to watch, I mean, Zeke's been so good the last four or five games. Yeah. Josh has come along too, but you know, he was good against Syracuse and he was really good against Clemson. So was Blake yeah. Fisher. I oh, mean, they, Blake, just the whole unit was great. Throwing the right side, just caving it in all night. And that's one of the things we talked about and worried about in our private conversations. How would Blake Fisher blend? with the teaching style and coaching style of Harry yeah. Houston. That was like a concern. Yeah. And from the looks of it, he trusts mm-hmm. Harry Houston. I don't think there's any question he's bought in to whatever mm-hmm. Harry Houston is selling. Well, that's what I've heard behind the scenes too, Sean. It's from day yeah. one, Blake was all in. That's yeah. what I've been told, like from day one. Now, again, how's it going to be once we get to the season and things like that? You know, it's a little yeah. co- different conversation. But, yeah, from everything we've seen, it's been um, – He's bought in. He's and, and look, I think he was bought in from the beginning, but I still think it's a bit of a shock when Harry Heastan comes at you the way that Harry Heastan comes at you. <laughs> no matter how much you break, prepare yourself for, you know, you're still a sophomore and you're like, oh, you know, this guy's kind of intense. This little dude's fiery, you know, and then and but after a while, it just it starts to sink in. And, you know, I mean, that's one of the things you say things were not shocked by, Sean. The tackles yeah. being really good, not a shock. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the running backs being good. I mean, you and I talked about this over the summer, man. We knew this was going to be a big-time unit. Yeah. Another thing that shocked me was just how how long it took them to, to get Tobias Merriweather going, especially with the struggles of the other receiving core was, was a big surprise for me. I thought he should have played in the opener. But yeah, what's the second? about that. Oh, flat out he should have. Yeah. yeah, flat out he should have. He almost had a – he would have had a touchdown against Clemson if it was – they had a pressure. It was second quarter, I think. And it was the play. It was the play where uh, I think the one where Drew scrambled. He ended up stepping into the pocket and scrambling. Chris Tyree did it. Had a great blitz pickup on Barrett Carter off the edge, and Drew stepped up and scrambled. But if he would have had just one more second to throw, Tobias had smoked somebody. He was running a deep over route behind. uh, I think he's behind Mayer, and he was just. He had five six yards on the guy, Sean. I mean, and if Drew had time, Drew couldn't see it. I mean. He would have had to step up to the right and then throw back across his body to an over route. Like that's not a throw Drew Pine or Tyler Bucker no, or DJ yeah. or anybody other than like a, I mean, you need like a, a Bryce Young, a CJ Stroud kind of guy to make that throw in my opinion. Right. Uh, but if he'd have had a little bit, just a little bit more time, I mean, Tobias had just smoked a dude and um, he's really, he's going to be good. I can't wait oh, to get him and, and because you know Jaden Thomas, if you use him right, he's a good football player. 
Yeah. But I can't wait to get him with that freshman class of receivers, man. I cannot wait to see those guys. Like, I can't wait to see Jaden Greathouse in a Notre Dame uniform. Yeah. I can't wait to see Braylon James, you know, running down the sideline, you know, streaking past people. I can't wait to see Dylan Edwards returning punts at Notre Dame. Like, there's so much – there's so much skill talent coming in on that offensive class. I just yeah. hope next year they don't do – well, they're not going to have a choice, Sean. Unless they get, like, six grad transfers, they're not going to have a choice but to play some of those freshmen next year. So, it'll right. it'll be good. They'll have to play. You know, well, you know what's crazy? We can stick with that wide receiver room because that's, that's something that's shocking to me. It's connected to the quarterbacks. But you talk about this 23 class. There was a time, and you would know this and I would know this, there was a time probably a week before the Blue and Gold game where we could say from a recruiting standpoint, I don't know what this wide receiver room is going to look like, right? It's like all of a sudden the Carnell Tate recruitment just went left. Just it just went left. And then we started to hear some other things. And I don't know where they were at that point in time on all of the Texas kids, whether or not they were trying to build and get them in the class. But there, you know, there was a time where things were kind of shaky in the 23 class. For Notre Dame to possibly end up with 27, 28 kids in this class, and like you just pointed out, the quality of athlete that they have coming in. You have to tip your cap to this coaching staff because guys like you and me know like the ebbs and flows and the lulls and things happen. And it's like their response and their ability to be able to recover and go to the next point. Well, they took a hit with the Cedric Urban Jr. thing when they decided to let him go. And they did it. I don't, I'm not gonna sit here and say they did it directly for this individual. Like, okay, they cut ties with him to go and get this kid. However, the fact that we ended up with Jeremiah Love and Jay Lamar. There, there was, there was something to that. I mean, it wasn't long after they got involved with Jaden Lamar and Jeremiah Love that they, mm-hmm. and, and there was a couple other backs where they're like, "Look, we took the previous staff took this kid too early," and that's the reality. Is the two coaches that were the driving force behind taking Cedric Irvin Jr. early were gone, and yeah. you know, and look, we didn't love how it went down, but I also thought it was the right decision because. You know, and I get where people are coming from, but they made like if they'd have made that decision like right now, if he had been in this class this whole time, right? Yeah. And let's say Jeremiah Love was getting ready to sign now, and they're like, okay, we're gonna get Jeremiah Love, so we're cutting bait on Cedric Irvin. I'd rip him. Right. It's way too late in the process to do that. They did it super early. He was able to take all five officials if he wanted them, and you know what? He ended up at Stanford. That's a yeah. great place for a kid. He's gonna get a great education, get a chance to play football at a place where he's gonna have a better shot to play. Because let's be real, Sean, when we're looking at this running back depth chart and we're looking at, you know, what they've got. I mean, we're not even talking about Jadarian Price yet. You know, you talk about right. getting Jeremiah Love and and guys like that. I mean, that you know, and, and they're on some really good players in next year's class. They're, they're man, they're they're going to be loaded. And, and I like Cedric. He's a solid player, but there's a different gear and a different level for him than those other dudes. But like. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's the kind of thing is like it, it just goes back to what we saw on Saturday. I think Will Shipley's a heck of a football player. I do. Yeah. And I know Good some point. people are down on him, whatever. But he is a heck of a football player. But when he decommitted yeah. or he did, he didn't decommit because he never committed Notre Dame. But when he picked Clemson, like, it was, oh, you put, you know, you, and I said, look, Will Shipley's a heck of a player and there's no justifying losing him. Yeah. Well, let's see what they do next. And then they went and got Logan Diggs. And if you know anything about that recruitment for a, a guy that we we throw a lot of a shade at, justifiably so, Tommy Reese was the driving force behind getting Logan Diggs, not Lance Taylor. I remember when he committed, we were talking to him, and he's like, yeah, I really haven't talked to Coach Taylor that much. I primarily talked to Tommy Reese. And and so, and then you go out and you, you know, a couple few months later, you go get Audric Estime, and you're like, does that mean Will Shipley was not good? No, I mean – like, let's be real about something. You put Will, Sh- you trade spots and put Will Shipley behind the Notre Dame offensive line on Saturday night. Guess what? He'd have gone for over 100 as well. It's in work. Oh, absolutely. Right. And he's got more home run speed than those two kids in Notre Dame has. Yeah. But it doesn't mean, but they still got really darn good football players. Same thing yeah. a receiver. Like, yeah, I'd love to have Cardinal Tate, but you know what? It ended up okay. You know what I mean? Like they're still gonna have the it's best cold. receiving class in in, in high in college football this year. Yeah, and uh, you know that's the thing is you gotta you, look. Everybody has misses. The question is, is what do you what do you replace them with? And what was happening in the past, Sean, is they'd miss those kids, and then they would replace them with kids that are just like, no, that, that's not it, right? That's not it. Yeah. But this year they 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 grinded and they also did a pretty good job of keeping the board open everywhere except quarterback. And I understand why they did it at quarterback. You had a guy in the class. You know, I mean, they fully expected him to be in the class. And so, um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how quarterback plays out. You know, I, I tell people to just sit back, relax, let the next couple of weeks play out and see what happens. You know, see if they get somebody on campus next weekend. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, go, but it's too good of a year quarterback to not get somebody. That's the yeah. thing is you can't, you can't go. This is one of the best quarterback years I've ever seen. You can't not get a guy. But I'll just say, let's just, you know, relax and let the next couple of weeks play out and, you know, get in December and see how it goes. So, well, since we're talking biggest shockers and you mentioned quarterback, I'll just go ahead, throw it out there. The Dante Morsock was one of the most shocking things. There's no way I expected things to, to turn out the way they turned out. And now to see this young man uh, reportedly unhappy with his commitment to Oregon and hearing from other schools and possibly looking at other schools and the possibility of Michigan state being his flip opportunity. Um, there are some things that we'll never say mm-hmm. about the situation. It's just unfortunate. It really goes down as one of the saddest things yeah. to ever know took place in connection with Notre Dame and recruiting. It it really is. It's disappointing. It's kind of heartbreaking, really. Yeah. Because, you know, again, this is 100% my opinion. I'm not – I don't have intel on this. No one's told me this. It's just just me, Brian, sitting there on a Friday night talking. I think that's been a big reason his senior year has been so disappointing. Because I think that rocked him, man. I think that rocked him mentally because he wanted to go to Notre Dame. He did. Now, look, is it on ultimately on Dante? And buddy, you got to step up and be a man and say, "Hey, this is where I want to go, Dad," and 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 tell him what you want to do. But yeah, he wasn't willing to do that, Sean. And and yeah. you know, and his dad did what he did, and 
it's unfortunate and you know the the people he allowed into his son's life and the influence he had on his son and all that and it is what it is but that's their family and that's their deal i'll say this sean i thought the keon situation was a bigger shocker to me than, than Dante. okay really because yeah, i mean i, I think because keon was in the class he was the first kid to come in this class and i have never seen a kid more i'm all notre dame than him go from that to he's not even looking at them anymore yeah and uh that's been a big shocker yeah uh, that's a big shocker because I'll say this, Keon is even more of a Notre Dame kid than D than Dante. Like way more. Like Dante would have fit in at Notre Dame. I I believe that. But Keon is like that is what exactly what you'd think a Notre Dame kid would be at that level. Yeah. And you know, it just um didn't work out. And that I way think there was a deeper connection with the class for Keon than it was ever for Dante. Very, very much so. You know, because let's be honest, Dante's crew, Dante's crew is. Did I miss something? What did I miss? No, no, no. I'm, I got the oh. I got the USC Colorado game on. Oh, and Caleb Williams is just sailing passes right now. Like I don't know what really? the heck he's doing. He just threw a swing pass like into the sideline on third night. I'm a little behind, so I'm not watching it live. I'm I'm trying yeah. to get caught up, but he just missed a now screen like. He looked like Drew Pine against um, Stanford on yeah. a couple of those throws. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry about that, yeah. man. But no, Dante's crew is Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis, like all of those guys, all some of the IMG guys. That's that's his crew, you know. And Keon, you know, the relationship he has with the reader kid that's just committed to Notre Dame from Berkeley Prep down there. You saw Keon standing behind him. You know, when mm -hmm. he committed and, you know, the relationship they have and the relationship he had with guys like Drake Bond, the relationship he had with Christian Gray and Adon Schubert. And these guys play video games together. You know, like that was a bond in a relationship. And I think the bigger shock was probably Keon to those guys, the guys in the class as well. I would mm -hmm. agree on that point. Right. Because yeah. it. It went from him being part of everything and really being at the yeah. head. Him and Drake were 1A, 1B yeah. leaders of that class. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it was just cold silence. And that's what really took most of the recruits. They were taken aback by that. Not the fact that he was considering anything, but, man, like, you're not responding to us? So mm – -hmm. That probably, yeah, that might crack my top three. Yeah, that might yeah. that that Brian might talk, that definitely might crack my top three. But once if, again, if we're talking, if we're we're putting recruiting into that, Sean, it's it's my number one. Like, yeah, that's the biggest shocker for me. I mean, above yeah. everything we talk football wise, if we're talking recruiting being a part of it as well, that's my that's my biggest shock. That's my number one. Yeah, yeah, lucky lucky podcast, man. In connection with CFB Nation, partnership with Irish Breakdown, go check us out right now. You can get every podcast, all of our great content, and other great shows on Apple Podcasts and Spotify via CFB Nation. Follow us at Lefty Lefty Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And while you're at it, when you listen, go ahead. Give us the most stars you can. Don't hold back. Matter of fact, contact them and tell them, give us a six star. Strictly five is not enough. Five, five is, is not enough. enough.
No, they need more. We greatly need appreciate seven. it. Seven's the ideal number. <laughs> oh, we're just talking any and everything Notre Dame. Ask any question, college football, whatever you want to talk about tonight, we're here. John Collins has something to say. In a backhanded way, maybe the losses to Marshall and Stanford has wiped away the laissez-faire attitude Notre Dame seemed to be holding on to from the Kelly years. You know what was interesting to me? Did you hear the comments that Audrey Estime made this week? Mm -hmm. Audrey Estime said, I think some of the young guys, and he included himself in that, uh, took winning for granted at the beginning of this year. And he said, you know, when you come in, he said all of these older guys have won games, been to playoffs, and, you know, some of us just walked in and thought that's just the way it is. And now we've really kind of locked in and bought in to everything because we understand how hard and how difficult it is to actually win a game on Saturday. I thought that was really uh, honest and transparent from him to put that out there and kind of goes with uh, what John Collins is saying. Like maybe it took a loss to Marshall to kind of snap certain guys or make guys realize, you know what? It isn't just us walking out on the field and just being better from a talent standpoint. We actually have to put in the work and value what it takes to be Notre Dame or a Notre Dame football player. You know, I, I, I thought it was interesting to hear it from him, especially at this point as he continues to get better each week. And he's gone through his struggles with fumbling and been humbled himself. So yeah. for him to say that, I thought it was the right vessel to speak that type of message, in my opinion. I, I think there's something to that, obviously. I mean, he's in the locker room. He would know. I guess my thing would be I don't really feel like they snapped out of it until after the Stanford game, though. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, even the Cal game, like, they they weren't great against Cal. Caleb just got picked off. Uh, you know, they, they they look great against North Carolina. And you thought, okay, they've turned the corner, right? Like, they're ready to go, right? And then they come out, you know, BYU look good, and then they lose to Stanford. Because uh, I kind of feel like they did it twice, Sean. That's where I guess – I guess that's probably a better way of putting it. I think – they took it for granted, then they got some winning again, and I think they took it for granted again. But I think the biggest thing is this. I think Marcus Freeman was always going to figure it out. I mean, we've talked about that. You and I have had how many conversations off the record about, uh, you know, what we think he's going to do. I think the Stanford loss is the thing that caused him to say, all right, enough of this. And, and I was having a conversation with somebody today, and I said, look, I don't think it's that I think that that Marcus Freeman, and there was a conversation about it. Somebody put it on the, the Irish Breakdown message board, mm -hmm. um, and they said that, you know, that that they thought that he something along the lines of of how he did. I said, look, I think what it comes down to is I think Coach Freeman was trying to be a coach's coach, and he was trying to be, you know, look, I'm gonna let these guys do their thing, and that's how I wanted it when I was a defensive coordinator and all. But like, look, they're not all, not everybody's you as an assistant coach, right? And the thing that you and I, we did that show at Irish Breakdown on the Tuesday after the Stanford game. We said, if you're going to lose, lose being you, yep. right? And we've seen a completely different Marcus Freeman. And to watch that team go from what they were against Stanford 
to three weeks later destroying Clemson. Uh, I've never seen a turnaround quite like that because they slept walk through six games. I mean, really, if we're being, you know, five out of six games. Yeah. And to watch that and then just to watch the immediate change from him, you can only make that kind of immediate change, Sean, if that's who you always thought you, that's who you always were. And I think that from some of the, the intel that you and I have gotten, that Malik has gotten, that about kind of the conversations that had were happening in the Goog after the Stanford game, I think he realized that exactly what we said, and, and it started happening before we said it. We're not saying he did it because Sean and I got on a show and said he needs to do it. And he's like, you know what? They're right. Um, I was listening to the Irish breakdown today, and, right? and they, they were right. He, of course, he. I mean, he should do that. I'm just saying I don't think he is doing that. He's not on the treadmill, like, you know, getting a workout, like, man, these guys are talking some some knowledge on me now. Uh, but I think you realize, like, look, this is what I'm going to do. If I'm going to if I'm going to have to if I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail doing it my way. But mm-hmm. it also comes a, a level of, of confidence in yourself. Like, OK, we're, we're, this is how we're going to do it. And then watch that team respond the way they have. I mean, it's 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 really impressive. It's been impressive. It is. And it's what we but, thought this team was going to be. Yeah, you know, so, I agree. I agree, yeah. and that's why when uh, Coach K, Coach Ken, that's why I call him. I, I stop short because I always end up messing up the last name somehow, some way. So I just call him Coach Ken. When he was talking about Notre Dame, he was saying, "I'm watching a team that's just hitting their stride." That, in my opinion, I took it as, "Man, this team still has room to get better. Like they're just starting to hit their stride." And they, they might have another gear, you know, in the last three games that they hit going into the bowl game that yeah. might make you feel like if they end this season the way we expect they have the talent and the momentum to finish out this season, I fully expect them to go into the offseason being uh, top five odds to win the national championship next year. Hmm. If they get a transfer portal quarterback that's good, then you have to be great, just good, then I'll be on board with you. I still think people are going to look at the quarterback situation and say, you got to play Ohio State at home. You got to play at Clemson. You got to play USC in year two of Lincoln Riley. You're going to beat all those guys with, you know, Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner again. Like, I don't know about that. Um, But I, I do expect them to get a transfer portal quarterback. I just don't know who it's going to be yet. Uh, and and that doesn't mean oh where are you going dude oh what an idiot they're about to get a safety it's a hey and by the way my beard game is definitely much better than Mike Sanford's I'm just gonna throw that out there right now so you can't see me on the beard game right now but uh, here's you know, a question but, go ahead you got something no, no, we're good we're good no. Ben G eighteen zero one is Micah Bell or Dylan Edwards faster. Micah Bell. Yeah. Dylan, yeah. Dylan Edwards is shiftier. Micah Bell's faster. Micah yeah. Bell is one of the fastest student athletes in all high school. You've been talking about football. Yeah. He had the number five 200-meter dash time in the country last year. Not not for football players. Period. It's period. And he's you know like so, – so this summer, M- Dylan Edwards beat – Peyton Bowen in in the hundred meter in the forty yard dash whatever at the future fifty thing, and he ended up winning the whole thing. He beat Zechariah uh, Branch from uh, the kid from Nevada Nevada going to USC, 
and he beat Peyton Bowen. And I was told he ran a four, three, eight and Peyton Bowen ran like a four, three, nine, four, four flat kind of thing. We know Peyton Bowen's ran a four, three, eight at Notre Dame uh, the summer before uh, his uh, junior season. Yeah. And, and if you look at the time, I would say right now, if you were to, if you were to see Micah Bell running, he's he'd probably be, if you translate his hundred meter dash time to, 40 yard dash time, probably a mid to low four three at worst. Yeah. I mean, he's a 10 three kid, you know, who who ran multiple 10 fours. It's not like he's a 10 six kid who had that one great day and he felt that he ran like a 10 three seven or a 10 four one. He did it multiple times as a junior. So he is definitely the fastest kid, in my opinion, um, that Nuriam got, at least track wise, but even, even football wise. I mean, you remember that highlight we put on the show that one night, Sean? That yeah. one day where we – you remember the play that DJ Metcalf had in the NFL last year? We housed that dude. Oh, yeah. But, like, he had, like, 90 yards to catch that guy. Michael right. Bell did that inside the 50. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, his his speed is absolutely absurd. I'm looking at his numbers now and just looking at – he said one, two, three. He had three different – he had three different events last year where he ran a 10-4. And then another couple where he ran 10 fives. I mean, those are blistering. And he had a 20.89 in the in the 50. Here's the crazy thing. In the state championship track meet, he, he won the 100, 200, long jump, and finished second in the triple jump, all mm. the same event, on the same day. Like, that's kind of nuts. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's kind of nuts to do that. He had a 45.9 foot triple jump in a 24 and a half foot long jump that's absurd absurd he is this is crazy. the fact that bailey Bragg can say man i forget about bell sometimes yeah. that's, that just shows you how much speed is headed well i think too we have a tendency i think we have a tendency as fans sometimes to 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 take who's in the class for granted a little bit and and focus so much on who you want to get and and those type of things that you you don't really focus enough on who you have mm-hmm. and and you, you know it's like well you know you're not going to be able to do this you know or you're missing this guy it's like somebody said to me i have a, a buddy that uh He's really negative on the the 2023 class, and I'm, I'm still the day. I was like, man, are you just like negative all the time? Like, are you trying to pick a fight with me or something like that? Because you're right. just constantly hit hit me up. And he's like, it'll at best be like a top six or seven class, and because they don't have this, they don't have this, they don't have this. And so, look, at some point in time, yes, they don't have certain guys. No classes are complete. Everybody's still trying to land players, but yeah. you got to also look at who they have. You focus so much on what they don't have that you forget to look at what they have. They have one of the best running back rooms in America. They have one of the best receiver rooms in I mean, just talking about the recruits, uh, arguably the best offensive line class in the country. I think they have the best uh, receiver class in the country. I think they have one of the best secondary classes in the country. And, and I mean that at safety and corner, even if you split them up, Sean, I still, I mean, yeah. how many people have Mike Bell and Christian Gray in a class? And then you've got a Don Schuler and Peyton Bowen, and then you throw in Ben Minich, who I wasn't super high on Ben Minich when they got him. His senior year has been excellent. Yeah, I mean, it's been really good. And you got one of the best linebacker classes in America. You've got it's not one of the best anymore since you lost Keon, but it's still one of the ten best defensive line classes in in, in the country. So it's not one of the three or four best, but it's still top ten. Yeah. And then you've got a pretty darn good tight end. Yeah, you need to get a quarterback. Or that's the missing link. If they don't sign anybody else but get a quarterback that's a good player, 
this is the best class they've signed since 08. And and maybe even go for further back. That 08 class was special. Yeah. It's amazing that it, it wasn't better. It just shows you what coaching will do. I mean, yeah. but that class was nuts. You know what else is crazy? I was talking to Malik this morning. We were talking about going through the ups and downs of the season. And he was pointing out how beneficial. He was talking about how tough it was being injured um, and coming back and suffering through the four and eight season. But he said he told the coaching staff, he told the coaching staff before the season how important leadership would be or needed to be on that team. And it needs to be put before other things because they lost a lot of leadership off the previous team. And he said when things started going down a little bit, he knew where it was headed because they didn't have the same leadership in the locker room. And he said, but the one great thing that came out of that, he was like, man, it was a lesson learned by those freshmen. Mm -hmm. He was like, because that freshman class got to play and got to see what it's like to lose. And he was like, they ended up being one of the best classes at Notre Dame yeah. as far as going on and winning. So he just talked about the young players that are on the team now, Audrey, Logan, going through those losses. He's saying, yo, they're going to take that and move forward, and they're going to be the ones to let the 23 kids know, hey, you come in here, it's a certain level of preparation, and we don't take anything less. So he thinks, no, we don't like seeing the fact that they lost to Marshall and Stanford at home. But big picture, I've seen this work out for the good of the program, and he feels like it's going to go the same way in 23 and 24 with the young guys that come in and the young guys that are there. So, Yeah, in good. that class, Sean, just to give a little context to what you're talking about, that class – Here's who's in that class. Chase Claypool, Javon McKinley, Kevin Stefferson, Tony Jones, Deion McIntosh, Ian Book, Tommy Kramer, Liam Eikenberg, Jameer Jones, Daylon Hayes, Jonathan Jones, Julian Okawara, Adi Ogundiji, Khalid Kareem, Julian Love, Jalen Elliott, Spencer Perry, DJ Morgan, Dante Vaughn, Troy Pride, Devin Studd. So I'm looking at this here. You got one, see, one, two, three, Four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine of those guys got drafted. Another that doesn't include the fact that Javon McKinley made an NFL team, right? Still a practice player, right? Yeah. Tommy Kramer didn't get drafted, but he started games in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Jameer Jones has started games in the NFL. That's three yeah. more. Jalen Elliott's been in, is in the NFL. Dante Vaughn spent two whole years in the NFL. So, like, you had 14 NFL players in that class, and they spent their freshman year getting their brains beat in, you know, struggling and dealing with loss. And like you said, that went on to be one of the, the most winning Notre Dame um, teams ever. And, and, and to Malik's point, the 2017 class, the guys have stuck through that, the Hainseys, right? The, uh, you know, kind of thinking through that class, the Hainseys, the Kurt Heinishes. The yeah. Bo Bowers, you know, the guys that, that were committed early that, that stuck with the, the team, you know, the Michael Youngs, the Brock Wrights, the Cole Komets, the Avery Davises, the Josh Luggs, the Aaron Bankses, you know, the guys that they that, that stayed through all of it. And then of course late yeah. you add you add Jeremiah Wusukoramoa late, you add uh Myra Tungvaloa late, but 
they they went through that too, Sean. I remember mm -hmm. talking to Robert Hainsey's dad. Like they went through those losses as well. They weren't on the roster yet. Yeah. But you know, they committed Notre Dame, you know, when Notre Dame was coming off of a 10 and 3 season and all that. And they and the kids have stuck with it. And there's some guys that bailed, but the kids that stuck with it were also part of that. That right. hey, you know what? I'm not taking winning for granted. We got to go out and earn it. And they did, and it played into the culture. There's no doubt. We're going to go to South Carolina for this question, not the person, but the person it's about. John Massey, thank you for tapping in. What did Clemson do to DJ? He set the record for passing yards versus Notre Dame his first game. Uh, you know what? I Is it a question of not building the proper offense around your quarterback? and maybe expecting him to become something you thought he could be. Uh, it could be changing offense coordinators. Uh, maybe you didn't like Brandon Streeter as an offensive coordinator. And co I mean, it's a lot there. It really is. It's a lot there. But maybe the kid just isn't who we thought he might be. Doesn't mean he couldn't have been or still can't be a really good college football quarterback. But it's multiple reasons that could have led to what you the version of DJ that you're seeing now. I have a few thoughts, Sean, if you mm -hmm. don't mind. Number one, this is why people shouldn't get too excited when backup quarterbacks come off the bench and do well in a game or two with no film. Number one. Number two, I do think that you're right in the in that I don't I, I think it was bad evaluation on Clemson's part to sign him in the first place. And not that he's not talented. I, I see the talent, but it's, he's not a fit for what they do. Mm. And, and, and then when you do sign him, it's almost like kind of like what Notre Dame did with Ron Paulus, you know, like you keep trying to fit him into what you do and then you tinker it a little bit here and there. But, you know, I, I think if DJ would have gone to a program where like, I don't want him at Notre Dame. I'm not saying that, but like even in Notre Dame where it's more of a pocket oriented pro style, throwing yeah. down the field kind of team. If he were to go to a Wisconsin, you know, like if he goes in the transfer portal, like, dude, go to Wisconsin, please go to Wisconsin. Like, dude, that is such the place for you. Assuming that whoever the next coach is runs a typical Wisconsin type of system. Colorado's about to house that. No, tackle inside the 20. Um, I just feel like, because he's got a real long delivery, right, Sean? And right. he's a baseball right. pitcher. He was like a mid-90s thrower as a baseball pitcher at Bosco. And he's not a real natural thrower. Like you just watch him. He's, he just doesn't look clean throwing the football, right? It's just really awkward and it's not natural. He has trouble repeating his release point and he plays in a system that's asking him to constantly speed up his throwing motion. And that's just not who he is. Those real long limb guys can sometimes have trouble doing that. And so I think that, that uh, he's just not a real natural quarterback, at, at least in that system. Yeah. So I think it's just a lot of different things. And and I don't love the offensive coaches. I, I but he's not the only one, man. It's like they recruited receivers that I'm like, why why are you recruiting Joseph Mangata? Like that dude's a good player, but like he does not fit who you are. He's not that. Yeah. He's not he's, not, he's he not Justin Raw. Yeah. Yeah. He's Javon McKinley. Right. right. Like, you know, he you put him as the W in Notre Dame's off you know, offense, and he's a much better football player because that's something that's not John Garcia Jr. and I, and I know you guys are going to have him on your show at some point in time, and he, yeah. he's a member of CFB Nation, and he's the director of recruiting at, at SI All-American. But he and I have talked about this, and one of the things that they do in their rankings when they do uh, class, they do 
top hundred or their SI 99 and they do class rankings is you got to look at fit, right? And, you know, you could say, Hey, they signed this five-star kid. Well, that's fine. But that five-star kid doesn't fit what they do. Right. So, you know, it's like, if, if you sign Manti Teo to play in, in a defense, that's about speed and running sideline to sideline, like, okay, he's not going to be what he was at Notre Dame. I mean, you, you've got to find the right fit. And, um, you know, I, uh, I think that that's one of those things, Sean, that I look at and say, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to fit a guy into the right system. And I don't think DJ is a good fit for them. I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if he goes somewhere else as, lo- as long as he picks the right fit. Cause we've seen quarterbacks pick the wrong schools. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not going to mention any names, but <laughs> there's been plenty of quarterbacks that like, dude, why are you going there? Uh, but if, if he leaves and picks the right school, I, I think he's a kid that could have some success. I do. All right. Alan Cricks, do you think MF will unleash Tommy Reese on offense this week or run, run, run? It's Tommy Reese has got to unleash himself. It's not on Marcus Freeman. Like, I don't know where this thing came from about Marcus Freeman's like controlling Tommy Reese. And, you know, Tommy wants to throw the ball 90. I mean, I get the coach Freeman said that, but he was, it was tongue in cheek, right? I mean, it wasn't like a Tommy Reese has always been a guy that wants to run the football. Like, he's just sitting back there, just like, gee, I wish I could call all these plays, but that mean old coach Freeman won't let me call them. And, you know, it's like, come on now. You know, Tommy Reese needs to unleash Tommy Reese. That's, that's where we're at right now. But hopefully, hopefully we do. Hopefully we do. Yeah, I think. I think they throw the ball a little bit more because Navy really struggles against the pass. I think they throw the ball more than most people would think tomorrow. Uh, John Masson, Lil Tunchi must be a huge – well, I mean, your picture is Drake, but the fact you call yourself Lil Tunchi means that you must be a Lil Wayne fan as well. Is Josh Burnham going to be an edge player the next year or next year, guys? Yes, sir. (laughs) Let me tell you something, man. Josh Burnham has an incredible first step. Oh, incredible. Like, he's just small. He's just small. So he's uh, getting off the ball. But when, when this year, he really wasn't. He's thin. Yes, he's thin. He wasn't strong enough. To, yeah, once he makes contact, he's not able and strong enough to hold it and really turn the corner. Like he will long. be. But yo, his first he step is, is amazing. Long. He is 6'4 with super long arms. He just has yeah. to fill out. I mean, yeah. he was planning on playing linebacker. He just has to fill out. But yeah, he's gonna play. There's a lot of folks that I've talked to at Notre Dame, um, you know, kind of off the record, and they love his upside. He's just not ready yet. You know, and you've got and not only that, but it's not that he's not ready too. It's you've got Isaiah Foskey, you've got Justin Batelho or Justin Batelho. Justin Amiola, you got Jordan Matelho. There's yeah. dudes in front of him, too. And so yeah. you let the red shirt happen. Josh is one of those kids that's okay being a red shirt. Like Nolan Ziegler, those guys are completely fine being red shirts, especially with the position move that Josh made. But, yeah, he's got a chance to be a dude, Sean. He's Because his because Ryan and I were at the Syracuse game, and I loved watching. That's my favorite place to watch a football game ever, angle-wise, because you're much lower than your normal press boxes, and you can just, like, see right down on it. Yeah. And so we're watching him go through pregame and we're watching him. And like what you talked about was so evident, like that dude comes off at us, like they're running through drills. 
that dude comes off the line with a little bit different pace than everybody else does. Yeah. But also he's so long, man. So long. Colorado's beating USC three to two. So <laughs> three to two, ugly. bottom three of the two. Two. <laughs> Yeah. Bottom of the fifth. Bringing in a reliever. Get the righty warming up in the bullpen. So <laughs> oh man. Oh, lucky left the podcast. So, but yeah, I I said it during I think it was fall camp. I went to a practice and I remember hitting you after the practice like, yo, this kid, it was that day, it was him and Emil Wagner. Both and Sean, he was working linebacker that day. He wasn't even working defensive line that day. He was yeah. still going through linebacker drills when you were talking about that. So yeah. you weren't even looking at him as twitchy for a defensive end. No, you were talking about him being twitchy for a linebacker. Yeah. Because he hadn't moved yet. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's yeah. he's gonna be good. Yeah, yo, it, it is fantastic. Carson Hobbs is out there putting in work. I see people. He's the new twenty four commit. He's putting in work tonight in the playoffs over in Ohio. Scott Springer at S Springer. You can go follow him right now. He just put up a nice S Springer Sports on Twitter. He just posted a highlight saying, "This is why this kid just yeah. committed to Notre Dame." Is that a play where he's coming off the edge? Yeah. Looked like he blitzed off the edge. Yeah. I just watched Ben Minich uh, make a sick interception tonight as well. I think – I don't know who they're playing. But, yeah, he was in coverage, and he just made a sick interception on the ends on the sideline. Just took a ball from a dude. Sweet. Yeah. Here's a funny question. Let's see. DM ND13. Who will win in a race? Sean running a 40 in high school, Brian running a 40 in high school, or Micah Bell running a 50-yard dash. The fact that you put our names in a question with Micah Bell, it's like that. Like, look, Sean, I ran <laughs> I ran my senior year. The fastest I ever got time was a 4.59. Okay. If I ran a 4.59 and Micah Bell was running from 10 yards behind me, he'd still catch me. Like, that's that's – that shows you how, how fast, fast he is. is. Yeah. You know, so, um, but yeah, I would hope that I would win that race. Sean, weren't you a lineman? Weren't you a lineman in high school? Like linebacker, lineman kind of guy? Linebacker, but it, like I really didn't. I never got timed in the 40. Yeah. I was a quarterback in the corner. I would hope that I was faster than you. My, my, uh, <laughs> my, I was a point guard and a center mm-hmm. fielder. Okay. So speed was my thing too, but we always ran yeah. 60. Okay. They always timed us in 60s in basketball. Gotcha. And so I never ran a 40. So I literally like cannot tell you what my 60 straight or like the 60, the 60, 60 20, 20, 20. Okay. 60 straight. Okay. They would time us down to first base. So not first. Uh, yeah, that's about 60 yards. So yeah. They would put it like just short of, yeah. 60 so feet, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're not they're not looking sharp. First quarter's ended. Three uh three two game for the buffs. They Ashley may uh, they may not cover the 40 point spread they had tonight, Sean. You think someone's <laughs> happy that put money on Colorado Ashley Hill? Uh salute to you. Happy Veterans Day. How long does a coach get to be average? I'm assuming he's talking oh, assistant coach or head coach. I mean, that's up to the individual school. That could be uh, circumstances where uh, the AD didn't hire the coach. 
and he has a shorter leash or a coach inherits an assistant coach and wants to give him an opportunity to be on the staff and show what he can do, but it's not his guy. So they might have a shorter leash. Or you hire your buddy and let him be the O-line coach for however long he wants to be. You know, or special teams coach. Or, you know, just ran, just random examples. No meaning behind that whatsoever. And then you just happen to lose a game or get the extra point block because hypothetically, I mean, and hypothetical. fumble two punts and fumble two punts. Hypothetically, right? No one in mind here. No one in mind here. Oh, that's funny. Uh, let's see. Thank you for the super chat, Marshall Pranger. We appreciate you. How warm is Al Washington's seat this offseason? In your opinion, would Indy have held on to Keon and or gotten Jason Moore if Elson stayed? No. Nah. You 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 want to you want to start with that one, Sean? I have I have a, I have a, a a strong opinion on that one. I understand the Jason Moore thing and people being upset about him ultimately ending up at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um after being viewed as a long-time lean to Notre Dame, I will say this about Al Washington. You can say what you want to say about recruiting. I mean, if you compare him to what Mike Nickens has done, you know, what Chris O'Leary has done at safety in this class, you know, what some of the other coaches, what Harry Easton has done on the offensive line, fine. If you feel like he hasn't recruited up to that level, I won't argue with you. But there are people along the defensive line in my opinion, that I, I see developing and get better, younger players. He might not be the strongest recruiter on your staff, but I'm not going to sit here and say that he can't coach because we've seen his ability to coach when he was at Boston College and the two players he put into the NFL from that defensive line. So I know he has the ability to coach. He has to prove himself. Class of 24, I'll say I'll be quite frank. Justice Scott is a must-get. You can't lose that kid. You cannot lose Justice Scott. And they're not doing a great job. He's not doing a great job with him right now, in my opinion. And that, there you go. So things like that, hey, you have to watch that. Yeah, You have to watch it. The cool thing about it is the kid is from Chicago. So if you have to make up room, you can do it. Yeah, You can get it done. However, in my opinion, the Justin Scott thing goes back to the beginning and not getting in as early as they could have mm-hmm. on it when he was really waiting to hear the hear from them. Now, can you can blame the transition, trying to get acclimated, all of that, trying to lock in on the 23 guys? Uh right. however you want to see it. it and, and, uh, we got we gotta be sure we're gonna we wanna offer him first, which I mean we we explained it at the time. Like, look, they gotta make sure they're gonna offer him because he's the kind of kid that if you offer, you take. But when you watch right. the film the first time, you're like, Yeah, but this one shouldn't be yeah. that hard. You were like three minutes, no, two minutes into his film and said to yourself, yeah. Okay. No brainer. No brainer. No brainer. This is a dude. Yeah. So yeah. We'll see. It's a long way to go in the yeah. recruitment. I think yeah. the biggest move by Notre Dame is going to be made by what they show on the field for the rest of this year. And then as soon as the open contact period starts in January, B 
be the first school, the first coach into St. Ignatius. Do yeah. not let any other school beat you to yeah. the front door at St. Ignatius. The yeah. same way they were about Charles Jagasaw, as intentional as they were with his coach saying, we have to be the first school to see him. I'll be there before the doors are even open. You have to be that intentional with his coach and yeah. the coach staff. You have to be the exact same way. So my my feeling on that one, Sean, is yeah. I'm sorry, man. I thought you were done. I apologize. No, I am. I am. Is his is the seat hot? No. Is his seat warm? I'll, it's kind of like his seat right now to me is where you are when you are in that car. You're in a car with like the heated seats and you first turn it on and it's just starting to get a little bit warm because I do see some guys developing. But I also think we've seen some guys maybe not progress the way that they should. Mm -hmm. But his coaching has been good. It has been great. And his recruiting has honestly left a lot to be desired. I mean, he's done a really good job, great job with Brandon Davis. Swain, according to you, right? And, and, and Brandon has been very open. But it's not just about a guy. You've got to be able to do better. I mean, look, you flat got beat for Jason Moore, and you led that one for a while. Yep. You know, look, I, I'm not saying he's the he's the reason they lost Keon, but it's a reason. I mean, that's your guy. That's your position. Keon was fired up when you got hired. You know, I mean, that plays a role. You look at some of the guys in the 2024 class, like Elijah Rushing and Nigel Smith, where they're Justin Scott, where they're not in as strong a position now as they were a few months ago. And, you know, so uh, those are all things that I look at, Sean, and say, you know, that that's concerning to me. That's concerning to me. And I, and I need to see him uh, do a better job because, you know, Mike Elson wasn't like this. You know, he wasn't Larry Johnson in his prime at Penn State, you know, right. type of coach at Notre Dame. But he did a good job. I mean, you, yeah. you're, his guys were going to be coached well and sound and and he was going to recruit well. And look, he did get Keon and, and those other guys. But, you know, and and. I don't want to be disrespectful to coach Washington, but like, um, I mean, getting Bubakar, getting, um, yeah, Mukum are not hard ones, but I'll tell you this. He beat Mike Elson for Devin Houston. Whose brother played at Michigan, played Michigan. basketball, at Michigan. So that yeah. was a W cause, and, and he, he, Notre Dame faded a little bit when Elson left Notre Dame or when, uh, Notre, Notre Dame faded a little bit with Devin Houston when Elson left Notre Dame for Michigan. And there's a lot of people that thought Michigan was going to be the team to beat then. And now Washington came back, got him. So, you know, you know, he's shown promise. It's just he he for whatever reason, he just hasn't found his niche yet. So I don't I don't think his seat is hot by any stretch because I'm willing to give him next year for sure. Uh, but you know, like, look, losing Jacob Lacey in the middle of the season, that's kind of on him. I mean, we we used to bang Dell Alexander for that, right? Because and it wasn't that the kid was upset that he wasn't playing. He was upset with the lack of communication as to why he wasn't playing and that he would be told one thing and then another thing would happen. And, you know, you, you got to look at that. And I, I can tell you for a fact, J Jacob Lacey's the only one that decided to transfer. He's not the only one that's been upset, upset this year right. with the lack of communication about why they're not playing. So, um, so yeah, I mean, so he's got to step it up. But we've seen coaches before, Sean, that needed time to get comfortable at Notre Dame because it's a different animal than you've ever been at. You know, it's not it's yeah. not Ohio State, it's not Michigan, it's not Cincinnati or Boston College. So I'm definitely giving him a year to get comfortable, uh, for sure. Before I'm going to say he's on the hot seat, but 
his 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 production does need to be evaluated and say, look, you got to step up. Cause back to Ashley's earlier question, how long do you let a coach be average? Yeah. I wouldn't say he's been average, but he hasn't been Notre Dame championship level. And here's why it's important. Defensive line is a position. You don't have to be a great recruiter at tight end to get tight end, great tight ends in Notre Dame. You don't have hmm. to be a great recruiter on the offensive line to get great, to get that Notre Dame. But you have to be a darn good recruiter if you're going to get defensive top defensive lineman in Notre Dame. That's not as easy of a sell, and you you have to put in the work. And so they're going to need Coach Washington to really step up and and get that one done. You know, yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. Brandon Debelak, think it's happening. What's in the Nike boxes? Okay, um, on top is the. Um, Black and white low top pandas that I got recently. And then I have the um, in the yellow box, it's the Air Jordan 1 yellow joints. Can I say that, case I'm Sean, Colorado yeah. is garbage. They just let USC convert a third and 23 where the receiver caught the ball, and there was a good three seconds where he was running before anyone on Colorado showed up on the TV screen. Oh, And then they just just started off first and 25 and ended up picking it up. Yeah. Hilarious. They're so bad. And USC is struggling against them. Uh, Brandon, thank you for the question. The black and white pandas and then the uh, AJ1 yellow toes. I was kind of hoping it'd be something other than shoes. I was hoping like, you know, my wife packed me like a, you know, like a care package kind of thing for the weekend. You know, it's got my, my goodies in it. No, if it was like my grandfather's room, it would probably be filled with like a crown royal bag full of pennies and coins and then some rolled up money. Yeah, that's the way he kept his money. Yeah. Yeah. This is a question from Ryan Loftus. Is Jalen Snead going to be a surefire starter next season? We haven't seen much of him, and coming out of high school, he was a stud. Still a stud. I mean, sure. he walked into a school where there was basically three returning starters. And, I mean, Marist was starting until he got hurt, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, they're all probably going to be back next year. So – is he going to be a surefire starter next year? No. Will he play next year? As long as he stays, yes. I think it's up to him. Uh-huh. When you're that talented, it's hard to keep you out of the uh, off the field when you when right. you put in the work. He's going to decide how much he sees yep. it. For. It's up to him. The talent is undeniable. Like no one, that's no one can question his talent. It's just a matter of what he does. And this is one thing I can say. Marcus Freeman has been adamant and consistent. You better show me in practice. Yeah. You better show me in practice. And he's not doing that enough from what I'm yeah. told. That He'll is, figure it out. Yeah. Right. Because, Sean, isn't that kind of an issue, though? You and I have been doing this a long time, man. We've been around sports our whole lives. Yeah. It's not a surprise when some super freaky athlete kid shows up in college at a really good school and realizes like, Oh, I'm like, I didn't realize that I, I thought I worked hard, but I, I, I realized that I was just so much better than everybody else that me working at 75% was still better than everybody else by a lot. 
and it takes them a while to adapt. You know, it's not every kid. I mean, it took Jeremiah Wusukoromo two years, three years to get on the field. Part injury year two, but he needed a year to develop too. He didn't play as a freshman, and he he was not set to play linebacker as a sophomore. He's just going to play a little bit of special teams before he got hurt. But uh, it takes some kids some time. Not everybody, not everybody's Manti, right? And Manti showed up a grown freaking man when he, he showed up in college. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. 235 and, yeah, a dude. Yeah. So, what do you think yeah. about this one? Are we going to get a block pun or return to the house tomorrow, or both? I hope, I hope not. <laughs> reason is, reason I say that is, is I mean, it's always good, right? But I want to see the offense get the opportunities to do, to to develop. That, look, no, USC's beatable. This is about the sixth time I've watched USC this year, and every time I see them, I watch. Say they're very beatable. But Dude, Cam Hart, Cam Hart told you, I'm yeah. not buying it until I see it. Cam right. Hart said they're not even a rival anymore. It's not a yeah. rival. I yeah, look. You better, you better. He better play well that weekend if for all the talk he he did. But like, oh. you can't beat them if your offense doesn't get continue to get better. This is Jordan Addison's first game back. Does he look healthy? I hadn't noticed him. Be honest yeah, with you. Is he, this is his first him. game back, and I was thinking like, yeah. man, did they rush him back for for Colorado, knowing that they had yeah. two big games coming up? Yeah, I haven't noticed them yet. So yeah, it's, it's hard for him. I mean, against Colorado, he should pop. Yeah, you'd think so. You'd think so. But I, I saw the only time I saw him, he was they overthrew a ball to him. So yeah, I haven't noticed him yet. Uh El Nino Brown. Yes. I believe our guy Ryan Roberts is going to be at the game tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan is heading up in the morning. He'll be covering the game tomorrow from the press box. I've never um I've never seen a game from there from the press box. I saw one from the field, but never from the press box. It's a nice stadium. Locker rooms are sweet. At least they were back when I was in college. Yeah. We played a game there, yeah, when I was in college. So real sweet locker rooms. I'm get this will fire my guy up here. Uh, we switched to Nike when <laughs> Under Armour. <laughs> you see him shaking right now. Yeah, I prefer my shoes not to be made with slave labor, so I hope not. But, uh, you know, probably, right? Probably. Oh, here's all I know for a fact, Sean. Whoever they sign with is going to pay them a boatload of money. A yeah. boatload of money. Boatload. That's true. That's true. I'll say this though: if 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 Under Armour lets them walk, they're going out with a bang because the the coach's gear is is top notch. I'm mad we can't find it for retail. Can I can I say something, Sean? Here's if yeah. I'm Notre Dame. This is what I would. You asked me if if I was the king of Notre Dame, right? This is what yeah. I would do. I say Under Armour. Look, man, we love your gear. Your shoes and your cleats suck. So. You got to do one of two things. You got to figure something out or A or B. We're going to yeah. sign with you for X amount of dollars to do mm-hmm. all the gear, but we're get, we're doing cleats somewhere else. And they get double. I mean, get even more because then you could kind of say, hey, look, you know, we're going to stick with Under Armour, but, you know, hey, Reebok, you guys trying to, I mean, I know Reebok, Adidas, you guys trying to get back into this thing and, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll go with you for cleats. You know what I mean? And um, I'd see if I could swing something like that because, 
I really like Under Armour's gear, Sean. I do. I, I think the uniforms are nice. I think I think the coaching gear, like you said, the coaching gear is sweet. The gloves are sweet. It's just the cleats, and the cleats actually look sharp. The quality yeah. of them, from the, talking to the players and parents and stuff, the quality of them just sucks. Like they're just bad, just really bad. But uh, yeah, I I don't care who they sign with as long as you know they're hoisting up the trophy at the end of the year. You know. They can sign with British Knights for all I care if they're throwing the trophy up at the end of the year. So I just went yeah. old school on it, Sean. So BK <laughs> Knights. Lotto. Oh, <laughs> Lucky Lefty Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Lucky Lefty on YouTube. And also available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at CFB Nation. In connection with Irish Breakdown, follow us on Lucky Lefty Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I think this one is for you, BD. Reed Sadaway says, BD, who is your dark horse for a freshman next year that will not only play but be a contributor? This is a good one. Like mm -hmm. B. Morris this year, I remember you being super high on him, high on him last year. I was. I was super high on him. There was nobody other than maybe Daryl Morris and his dad that was yeah. higher, or, and Mike Mickens that was higher on. Benjamin Morrison than me. But even then, Sean, I did not see him being this good as a freshman. I didn't. I thought he'd be, a, I thought he'd contribute. I thought he'd have more of the role Jake and Mick, Jade Mickey's had. That's what I thought Benjamin Morrison would be doing. Like, you know, yeah. good number three guy, get some time off the bench, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I didn't see him doing what he's doing, you know. But uh, who, who's that guy next year? I mean, first of all, I mean, the easy one's Peyton Bowen. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the easy one. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, let, let's let's not use the low hanging fruit like him and Jaden Greathouse. Like those are the two easiest ones for me. Yeah, like yeah. those are no brainers to me. You know, I think it, kind of looking at the, I think one of the interior defensive linemen will play next year, whether it's Devin Houston or Buba Carr. I think one of those two guys will play next year uh, to me. And you know. See, so part of this too is I gotta see what the roster looks like. Like who transfers out, transfers who declares out. the NFL draft. You know, like yeah. if if uh, if Brandon Joseph goes pro, then don't be shocked if Adam Schuler's getting run next year. Right. You know. Um, but uh, I'm hoping that Dylan Edwards is their punt returner in game one. That's that's one thing I am hoping for. I'm not going. I don't root for things, but I'm hoping that he wins that job game one because. <laughs> That'd be fun. That'd be fun to see him return and punts a game one. But I mean, Jaden Greathouse and Peyton Bowen are the easy ones, Sean, for me. Those those are, I mean, it's not even close. Yeah. Would an offensive lineman be able to fall into there, right? There's one right not too far from you. Yes. I was just about, that's where I was headed. He was ranked high. Notre Dame got him in the class. But the step that he took this year, I think he might end up being a lot better as a freshman than most people probably thought. Way big not. step from last year. Yeah. yeah. Like, am I saying it's going to happen? No. I would never say a freshman will start at Notre Dame on the offensive line. That's going to be hard. You're going to have Billy Shrouth, Rocco Spindler, Andrew Kostafa. You're going to have some dudes coming back next year. But man, um, watching him play, like I just got like these visions of, I think I said this to you, Sean, the other day in a phone call, 
you know, you got Zeke Carell coming back at center. You got Joe Wald at left tackle, Blake at right tackle. If you were to tell me that by the fourth game of the year, when they go to play Ohio State, that the starting lineup is going to be right tackle, Blake Fisher, right guard, Charles Jagasaw, Zeke Carell at center, left tackle, Joe Wald, left guard, Billy Shrouth, would I be upset about that? Nope. Nope. Um, it won't be as experienced as this year's line, but it'll be pretty talented, you know, a more talented group. But um, I could see Jagas all doing that. Yeah. I could see yeah. Sullivan Absher doing that as a guard. You know, he's got a bigger technical jump to make because he's going from a triple option team. And I know that they're going to really try to have both of those kids play tackle. But uh, they really like Charles Jagasaw as a left tackle candidate. It's just one of those things, Sean, where it's like he may be too good not to play him, and you can't play him a tackle, you know, because you're not yeah. bumping you're not bumping Blake inside to put Jack Charles at tackle, right? You know, but uh, and I probably it probably would make more sense to have him a left tackle since you want him to be a left. Uh, I mean, left guard since you want him to be left tackle, so he can still play left handed. But and then maybe put Blake out the right guard, but still, man, I just. I get that. The massive is what I was looking for. Like Jagasaw and Blake side by side. Like, because did you see that picture from the, the, the game they were at? Was it the UNLV game when Drake Bowen was standing next to Charles Jagasaw? Next to Charles Jagasaw. <laughs> Drake Bowen, 6'2, 230. And he looked like a little kid standing next to Charles Jagasaw. I was like, you got to be kidding me. That lets you know how big of, he's, he's, he's a behemoth, man. Oh, <laughs> he really is. He's athletic, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you Notre Dame fans, you will have fun watching them play. Ashley Hill has another one. I, you, I think he asked us this early in the week, so you can take a stab at this off the back. Do you think the D-line will take a step back talent-wise next year? How much trouble are we in if the O doesn't improve? No, I don't think it takes a step back talent-wise. I think it will take a step back experience-wise. Because they're going to lose Jason Adamiola and Isaiah Foskey. And probably they're going to lose uh, Charles uh, Charles Smith. This is not the NBA. Um, Chris Smith. And then they're going to, you know, they'll probably lose Justin Adamiola. So those are experienced players. Um, but, you know, I expect Gabriel Rubio to be better next year. You'll have, um, I think Jason Onye is a guy that they love as a potential, you know, breakout guy for next year. You'll have Nana's really stepped up. You know, Alexander Ahrensberger's back. You know, you'll have – you'll have, yeah, Tyson Ford will be healthy in a year two. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about Donovan Heinish as a, as a player. Josh Burnham would be stepping in. Maybe Batelho finally breaks out as a regular guy. So, I mean, they'll have a lot of talent next year. They'll just be young. So, I don't think they're going to take a step back per se. Uh, I just think they're going to be different. But I think they'll be better at linebacker. They should be better in the secondary. So I don't think they'll be in trouble at all. I mean, that's look, that's what good teams do, right? I mean, you lose great players and you because like didn't we hear this like when they lost like Wara and, and Khalid Kareem and like ah, I guess they take a step back and then Dalen Hayes and Adi were like, nah, we're good. Right. And then it's like, well, they lost Adi, you know, Ogandiji and they lost Dalen Hayes. So the D line's gonna take a step back. And Isaiah Fossey is like, nah, we're good. You yeah. know, I mean, that's that's what good teams do. You know, you lose dudes and you replace them with younger dudes. I mean, that's right. just and play that's just what you do right right so you know like okay. I, I i echoed the same sentiment earlier in the week like you know, the talent's there i mm -hmm. like i don't know what else to say 
And if it's one thing Mike Elston could do, it was recruit and develop. Yeah. On the defensive line. So the cupboard wasn't bare when Al Washington walked in. Right. And it won't be bad this year. It just won't. I've also been told, Sean, that they are looking at the transfer portal again for the D-line. They will be looking at the portal again for some guys that that could be I predicted that on a show I did with Ryan. And this was early. Ryan was like, you think so? I was like, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they went out and got a pass rusher. Right. Or interior lineman in the transfer portal. Like, it wouldn't shock me at all. Because, I mean, the game has just changed. Like, when you can make yourself better at a certain position, you do it. Yeah. I think we talked about this this week, the reluctancy of Nick Saban to take advantage of the transfer portal. Probably cost him this year. Sitting there trying to depend on his young receivers when he could have gone and got Jordan well, Addison. They did get to – They did get to, it wasn't that he wasn't willing to go to the portal. He just wasn't going to pay a dude to come there. Yeah, they, did get, they did get Jermaine Burton and Tyler Harrell. One of the things that's hurt them this year is that Tyler Harrell's been hurt all year, the kid they got True. from Louisville. And Jermaine Burton is, uh, you know, look, I just don't think he's as good as people thought he was to me. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say this. I said it the other day. I still don't think talent at receiver is Alabama's problem. There's a lot of teams, and and Ryan disagreed with me a little bit, there's a lot of teams at college football that would love to have Alabama's talent problem at wide receiver. It's just not as good as it used to be. But it used to, they used to just not, eat, no one is even close. Even Ohio State couldn't compete with what they had in 2019, or was it 2000 and, yeah, 19 when they had, you know, like you could argue that, that Henry Ruggs was your fourth best receiver. You know, I mean, so, I mean, he got Jamison Williams the year before from mm-hmm. Ohio State. So, you know, I, I think what's happened is they had some misevaluations in high school with high school players. They had a kid that they thought was going to be a really good player ended up being a criminal, right, and got kicked off their team and Texas's team for, you know, committing crimes. And I think they've dealt with some injuries. And the biggest thing for me, though, is it's Bill O'Brien. Their problem is not the talent. It's Bill O'Brien. I'm just going to keep banging the drum on this. It's Bill O'Brien. That's their problem. Like, Holman Wiggins didn't forget how to coach football all of a sudden, right? Like, that's a dude as a receivers coach. The problem's Bill O'Brien. like. But real quick, Tyler Harrell is a kid they got from Louisville. As a, In 2021, he had 18 catches for 523 yards and six touchdowns. They were expecting him to be a big-time player for them this year, and he's played two games. So, you know, that's that's been an issue as well is, is the injuries. But tra- look, go to the transfer portal for an offensive coordinator and you'll be fine. And defensive coordinator. That, that'll be the key. <laughs> That'll be the key. I was waiting for the golden conversation. Yeah. Oh, you know that one is you know that's coming. I mean, that's just a given. Like, I mean, I've been how long have I been telling you this, Sean? That he's not that dude. He's not that yeah. dude. If D'Amico Ryan's becomes available, absolutely. You make why would change. he do that now though? Right? Like, you know, yeah. So Michael, thanks for tapping in. Sean and Brian. I realize dude. This certainly may be wishful thinking, but is it possible Notre Dame could get Coach McCullough's son, the son, to transfer to the Irish? I assume he chose Indiana because of his father. 
Yeah, he did. I hope so. I mean, he's a good football player. I would take him. I don't know if he necessarily – but see, if if I'm Coach McCullough, I don't know if I necessarily would want him to come because oh, you you, yeah. you potentially get into a situation at Notre Dame like you did in Indiana where he comes and then all of a sudden you get a job you can't refuse and now you're the head coach at somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, if, I, if I'm Indiana, I'm looking at him as my next head coach, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I'd consider it, wouldn't you? With Absolutely. The success, he knows the program, the success he's had there. You know he wants to be a head coach. He's a he'd be a great recruiter there, which is a big problem they're having. So I I'd I'd look at that. But if Indiana's not gonna look at him as the next head coach, I would I would try to get him. I, I yeah. would. But I the other thing too is if you're looking from his standpoint, I don't know if I look at him as someone who who like he's doing really well there, but he's not guaranteed to come in and beat out the guys that are going to be there. Right. I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, is he, is he definitely going to beat out Josh Burnham? We say, well, he look at what he's doing. Well, Josh Burnham would be playing right now if he was in Indiana because Deshaun McCullough is not sitting behind Isaiah Foskey and Justin Adamiola and those dudes in Indiana, you know, it's a good football player. If he wanted to come, I'd definitely look at him. I just, I don't think he's the, Oh my gosh, all the problems are gone type of guy. He would, but I'd take him in a heartbeat because your depth at that position would be really good. And he's a he's a really tr- he's a true viper in my opinion, Sean, because he was a linebacker yeah. in high school. Yeah, you know he can he can do the things like we see Isaiah Foskey open it up and running real, real routes and stuff like that. Deshaun can definitely do that. I mean, he's a good yeah. football player. So don't take my comments, please, as me saying he's not good or I wouldn't want him. I'd take him in a heartbeat. It's just not a given that he's going to be that guy next year, not because he's not really good, just because I think the talent there is better than people think. It's like that out of sight, out of mind thing. You don't see a guy place. You just assume, well, maybe he's not as good as we think. No, trust me. They love Josh Burnham. Yeah. Right? And and Aiden Gobira is there too. He was another top 150 guy. Josh Burnham was a top 100 football player. He's just stuck behind a potential first-round NFL draft pick, a fifth-year senior who's played a ton of football, and another guy, Gerald Brazil, who's also a borderline top 100 player coming out of high school. Yeah. So that's what happens. That's what happens. Byron McIntyre. Oh, Byron McIntyre. I'm sorry, Byron. How many transfers do y'all expect to happen at the end of the season? I mean, average for any program, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you, you've already had two in season. Right. So. Right. One of them was expected. Yeah, I mean, you you knew Joe was going to leave. Uh, I'll say this: I Coach Rima was not happy about it. Did you see his comments on that on Thursday? I did. I did. He he was not happy about it. No, he, he handled wasn't. it respectfully, but you could tell he wasn't. Whenever Coach says, "And that's all I'm going to say about that," yeah. <laughs> he's letting you know. Yes. Yeah, you watched yes. the video. It was like, okay, wait a minute, because in my mind, Brian, I'm like, oh, this makes sense for Joe. Right, like the talent coming in, the depth chart. Yeah. He got injured. Like I, I said, this Joe was a leader yeah. for Chancey Stuckey when he first got here, right? In the wide receiver room, and injuries which have plagued him in his his entire time in Notre Dame once again came to the forefront. But he was looked upon as the leader in that wide receiver room, and you know when he got back on the field, you know other opportunities like once Deion Cozy got healthy. You know, he was injured late in fall camp. That hurt him. Once he came back, they expected a lot of Deion Cozy. You know, Marcus Freeman made that abundantly clear. 
in spring camp and fall camp. And his injury set him back. So once everybody started to get healthy, you, you even see Braden Lindsey losing snaps standing on the sideline right now. He's healthy. So this coaching staff is doing a lot of self-scouting and self-examination to figure out, hey, who, who needs to be on the field? You knew Tobias was going to start taking snaps mm-hmm. from people. So I don't – Should have happened a lot I, sooner. I would love to know what exactly about the situation doesn't sit well with Marcus Freeman. Mm-hmm. But, I think it's the win, Sean. I mean, and that's my big thing. Yeah. I have no problem with Jacob Lacey doing what was best for him. I have a problem with him doing it when he did it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, look, I've always felt this way. So basically you're when saying the, he could have determined that he was going to make that move. Right. But don't do it the way you did it. I just feel like in our in our society, Sean, and I don't want to get too much into this because we're having some fun tonight, but I just feel like we don't hold people accountable enough for commitment. Mm. And in this society of, well, you got to do what's best for you. Well, no, because you signed up to play a team sport. Right. And, and, you know, in the off season, do what you got to do. Never judge a kid for transferring when he does in the off season. I don't like it when a kid does it in the season, unless, like I said, there are circumstances where it's understandable. You know, maybe my, my mom's sick. I need to go home and take care of my family. My, yeah. um, you know, a coach is doing things to me that are, you know, you you can't, like, that's not okay. That coach is crossing lines and, and you feel like you're, you know, your your health or your mental well-being or whatever is in line is not is is in a bad place because you're being treated like legitimately treated poorly. There's always circumstances. There's no definitive rules like never do this unless we're talking about biblical ones from in my personal opinion. Yeah. But it's just the timing and the win. It's like you made a commitment to this team. And like Jacob Lacey's even worse because like Joe Wilkins isn't really playing. You know, like he's playing on the he was a kick return team and all that, but Jacob Lacey was a key rotation player. He just was happy he was he was unhappy he wasn't playing more. Right. Like, man, you know, like that's just not a good reason for me. And and I'm, no one can convince you otherwise. This is a team sport. You made a commitment. Unless you're being literally mistreated. And when I mean mistreatment, I'm not talking you're not playing enough. I mean, you're being verbally, emotionally, or physically being mistreated. Then you you honor your commitment. And, and that's my thing is, you know, you got three games left. Yeah. You know, there's three games left in the season. Like, you know, you're walking away. After everything you've gone through, you're walking away now. So there must have been something um, that happened. I just I just feel like Joe didn't wake up on a Tuesday and be like, you know what? I think I'm going to be out of here. Yeah. You know, like something had to have happened that he was like, bump this. I'm gone. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. What that was, I do not know. Everybody, I see what you're talking about in the chat. Yes, that was a beautiful one-handed interception by Peyton Bowen tonight in yeah. the end zone. He's sick. Coming He's to so a Saturday cool. near you, if you're in the South Bend. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Gino. I got Gino. Thank you for tapping in. Sean, who was that kid you were showing earlier on the show? We were going through film of Aeneas Williams out of Hannibal, Missouri, Hannibal mm-hmm. High School. So Malik liked that, huh? Oh, man. Malik was <sighs> like, yo. I'm like, yeah. 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 
He's good. He's great. He's great. Saw him this summer at Irish Invasion, Sean. He is a put together young man and very, very twitchy. Not like a burner. He's yeah. not a burner. He looks a little bit faster on film because of the quality of the competition. He's not like a burner. He's faster than Kyron Williams probably was coming out of high school. But he is quick, explosive, great vision, and his feet are outstanding. Outstanding. He's a good football player. Good football player. When I saw the kid split out, going up, jumping over two defenders, taking the ball straight out of defenders' hands, I said, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. This is definitely, as his film says, the number one all-around, all-purpose back in the nation. Yeah. That's legit. That's legit. That's not hyperbole. No. I, I agree with it. I agree with it. Lucky Lefty Podcast, as always. Tap in with us, CFB Nation, in connection with Irish Breakdown. Share, like, hit the notification bell. Anytime we go live or drop content on our YouTube page, you will get the notification. Follow us at Lucky Lefty Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And then when you go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, courtesy of CFB Nation, make sure you leave us all the stars you can. Love your comments. Give us five stars. Tell them you need an extra star. If we can get that six star, we would appreciate it. But let them know how much you love Lucky Lefty Podcast and all the great content that exists on CFB Nation. We are the official Notre Dame channel on CFB Nation. Yes, smash that like button. Thank you, my bro. We appreciate you. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. El Nino Brown, is Payborn on the same level as Caleb Downs? Are they two different types of safeties? They're very similar, actually. Um, I think that Caleb can be more of a downhill alley guy if he needs to be. Uh, but he can play center field. Caleb Downs is a, is an elite safety. If you have a, if you would have asked me this question before the season, I'd have said Caleb Downs is the clear number one safety. Clear number one safety. Peyton Bowen is the clear number two safety. After their senior years, Caleb Downs is every bit as good as he was. Peyton Bowen has taken another jump because, like, what did we talk about last year, Sean? Like, Peyton was more of an athlete that was still learning the finer points of safety play, and this year he's got him. I mean, he's yeah. gotten those points. He's he's a yeah. much better. He, he's he's still an elite athlete, but he's such a more he's more comfortable with the the ins and outs of the position, right? And um, he's he's special. So I mean, those are those are 
there's those two, like 1A, 1B, and then there's a drop-off between – and there's some good safeties in this class. Like Texas has got a kid from Louisiana named Derek Williams who's a really good safety. And uh, so, yeah, it's a good safety class, but those two kids are without question the best. And and there's a lot of carryover in their game. There's some things – Peyton's a little rangier and, and a little bit more – he can play over the top, a little bit more better in man coverage, a little bit more better. Like I just learned how to talk today. He's a little bit better in man coverage where Caleb is a little bit more physical and can can do more things like in the alley and things like that. But there's also a lot of carryover between their games too. So that's a good question. But, yeah, those are those are 1A, 1B in safety for me. Yeah, and shout it, out to – go ahead. I thought you were no, thinking something. No, no, I was just going to say they're dudes. That's all yeah, I'm going to say. 2023, having a great night in the playoffs all around the country. Drake Bowen and Andrean advanced to the semis tonight in the Indiana 2A. Class, state playoffs, Drake Bowen with two interceptions tonight and a rushing touchdown in the first half. That's just the first half they advance to the semis. Whew, you Good night's work. Good night's hey, work. Heck yeah. Michael Rice, thank you for tapping in, Mike. Outside of Notre Dame, where do you guys think Deion Sanders I'm assuming we'll head to when he leaves Jackson State. Well, I don't even know if I'd assume that anytime soon. Um, yeah, I don't. I think eventually he will. Yeah, not when soon. When the right situation comes up, uh, who was this nonsense? He's going to go to Nebraska. Have you seen this? Can you see Deion Sanders moving to Lincoln, Nebraska? <laughs> Come on, man. I can't. No. no. I, I definitely can't see that. I don't think that's happening anytime soon. But I yeah, think he's, he's going to do one of two things, Sean. He, I think he's going to go to a reclamation project. Yeah. I think he's going to go to a reclamation project mm-hmm. or he's going to go to a, a big time program. He's going to yeah. wait for a big time program. And you and I have talked about this before. He's not going to Georgia Tech, in my opinion. That's just, again, this is my opinion. He's no. not leaving for Georgia Tech. He's not no. leaving for Nebraska. He's not leaving for Kansas. He's not leaving for any of those schools. He's leaving for a big-time program, in my opinion, uh, or or a reclamation project big-time program or, like, kind of big, big-time program, you know. like mm-hmm. But um, he's leaving for Texas A&M. He's leaving for Florida State. He's leaving for that kind of job, not, not Nebraska, you know. Like, and why, does, why would he have to? He's a head coach. It's not like yeah. he's – you know, got to learn to be a coach. He's a head coach, right? Yeah. And, I, and I know those programs are different size-wise and all that, but Dion's also a Dion. you know what I mean? Like, it's not like talking to boosters and money people is like some new thing for him, you know what I mean? Like, he's Dion, right? So yeah. that's how I see it. I think there are a lot of factors. I think he does want to coach his sons yeah. until they're done. I think he wants to be the – wants the pipeline – and opportunities for uh, kids in HBCUs, whether it be to the XF, XF, XFL, Canadian Football League, and the NFL, with all the tryouts that he has been building up uh, that started at Jackson State, eventually going to a bigger venue. I think once that gets to a more stable situation, he will be satisfied, satisfied with that being one of his purposes for going to coach at an HBCU. You mentioned Texas A&M. That's where he started his coaching career in the state of Texas. He has roots there. So that would be interesting. We know the connection with Florida State. Um, 
The Florida State connection is interesting because, in my opinion, Mike Norville has a big game tomorrow against Syracuse. I think you're seeing the Florida State program get better under Mike Norville, and that win against Syracuse will go a long way in continuing the trend. And if Mike Norville can get – I wouldn't be shocked if someone tried to poach Mike Norville. Yeah. But Bill, once he's got that program to a certain point, because – that program was in bad shape when he got there. Like AM in a couple years takes him, and then Dion steps in at AM at Florida State, something like that. I could see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could see. And I think Dion's smart enough to know too that like there's some there's some jobs out there that aren't gonna that, that I would like that I that are just not gonna be open for a couple years. AM's probably not unless Jimbo just kind of does what he did at, at Florida State, which is right, where yeah. he just acts so ignorantly that he just gets himself fired, like intentionally yeah. gets himself fired. He's gonna be at, he's gonna probably be there for another year or two, yeah. you know. Um, and it's it's and I'm not talking about him necessarily Dion for A and M per se, but it's like it's jobs like that are the kind that 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 send ripples through the rest of college football because whoever you hire, then all of a sudden all these other jobs start like these other dominoes start falling, yeah. right? And then you know, there's a, there's, it's that kind of stuff. So, um, and then there's just certain years where there's aren't a lot of good jobs open. Like this is not, this is not going to be a great year to be a, 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 a guy like Dion look for head coaching job. Cause it's going to be the Kansases, the Nebraska's, the, the Georgia techs, like uh, so many big jobs got filled last year and LSU got filled. Notre Dame got filled. Um, you know, so, so many jobs like that, that, you know, barring Saban walking away, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one job that I could see Dion maybe making a run at like now Auburn. Cause like, wouldn't you put, wouldn't you kind of put it, would, would you put it past Dion to, with, with the stuff that, that coach Saban said about, you know, them buying Travis Hunter and all that for him to say, okay, fine. I'm going to come to your rival. I'm going to beat you. You know what I mean? Like, I could see Dion having that kind of pettiness in him. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna lie to you. Man, I wouldn't predict are, it, but I could see it. The people at Aflac would lose their minds. Yes. If he went to Auburn and had that natural robbery. Oh, yes. Aflac would lose their minds. They would love it. They, they would, would love it. it. it would be oh, perfect. Gosh. Yes. It would be the perfect. Aflac Bowl. It's yes. not the Iron Bowl anymore. They would pay money to have the naming rights to the Iron Bowl be the Aflac Bowl. Right. Or they would just say, call it the Aflac Iron Bowl. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like a new bowl game, right? Like, right. if you got your sponsor of the bowl game, yes. Yeah. Yes. That would be fantastic. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Mike, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, the only, the only kid of his that I think I could see him stand for is his quarterback son because he's so close to being done. Yeah. But the rest of them will just go wherever he goes. Yeah. You know, I mean, like because daughter, of the one-time transfer rule. His daughter is on the basketball team as a right. freshman. You like to say, transfer. he went to, she will be yeah. on the squad. I mean, you know so, that would be part of the contract negotiations. Right. Like, my daughter's going to be on scholarship. She's going to get 15 Absolutely. minutes a game. Right. Right. Hey, Brian, offensive coordinator, can you please help me understand how smaller schools seem to create consistently strong production from quarterbacks? Yet at ND, it seems to be all too elusive. It's a great question, Michael. Um, number one, I think that Notre Dame is a different animal when it comes to the pressure that comes with that job. You know, it's a different animal than Ohio U or Miami of Ohio or Purdue or, you know, places like that. It's just a different animal. There's 
there's not, I mean, every single throw that Drew Pine makes is scrutinized, like, yeah. you know, to this, yeah. un, and, and he knows that. Yeah. And his position coach knows that. And and the more, you know, there's how many Notre Dame podcasts and how many Notre Dame websites and how many, I mean, you know, it's, it's crazy. And that's number one. Notre Dame also plays much tougher competition week to week than, you know, some of these schools, these kids at smaller schools. But, you know, then there's the, the other stuff too, Michael, that kind of comes down to, I don't think Notre Dame's development of quarterbacks mentally and physically has been great, you know, and, and, and some of the decisions that, that have been made, they've had some bad luck, you know, ever getting suspended was, uh, you know, let's say bad luck, for, bad luck for the program. It, I mean, it wasn't bad luck for Everett. He made a choice, but it was bad luck for the program that he made that choice. You know, Malik getting hurt against Virginia was bad luck for the program. And then how they handled that decision the next year was a bad choice that the program made that hurt hurt them, that sent them down a bad path. Because Malik would have had 16 and 17 if yeah. they would have made that choice. And could you imagine – I love Brandon Wimbush. That's my guy. One of the best kids you'll ever meet. Sean, you've interviewed him. Just a, just a, a awesome young man. And his time would have come. But that would have been Malik's team in 2017. Could you imagine Malik Zaire playing behind that offensive line in 2017? But they went a different way, yeah. and uh, and it they paid they paid the price for it at quarterback, and you know so there's been a lot of stuff like that. But I just think it's been poor development. It's it's you know trying to get too cute. Like these kids in these systems, like you're talking about, Michael, they they usually play in like you know typical college offenses. You know, like I'm watching Phil Longo call plays on Saturday against Virginia, and it looks like he literally wrote his plays on the back of a of a like a grocery store receipt that he's like, man, I need something to write my plays with. You guys got right. paper. Right. right. You know, I got this from Walmart coach and he just took the receipt. And he's like writing his plays in the back. I mean, have you, have you seen that? And then he like stuffs it into his back pocket and you're like, you know, like uh, he pulls it out. He's like uh, three heads of lettuce. Oh shoot. That's not it. Hold on a that's second. Not it. Let me, let me get that's this right. You know, it's, right. <laughs> it's my to-do list for my wife. Um <laughs> You know, but like, and Tom Reese has got like this big old play sheet that, you know, like, you know, like coaches cover their faces with it. Like Tommy Reese's play sheet could like cover his face and like two dudes next to him's face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's stuff like that. It's it's never one thing, Michael. And it's a lot of different things. And and I think they've had some bad evaluations at time. I mean, there's uh, Steve Angeli's a good kid, a good player, but, you know, there's some guys they could have had that. Yeah. You know, yeah. You see Drew Aller up at Penn State. You like could have yeah, had him. Sam Sam Horn in Missouri. Kate Klubnik liked Notre Dame at first. Yeah. I mean, and they just never really did anything with him, you know. So yeah, it's a lot of different reasons. But it's frustrating, right? Like it, it, I get where you're coming from. And, and it's not just during this era, too. I mean, if we're being fair, like there was other coaches that had issues kind of finding that guy too, right? You know, but um I mean, if you look at between between Jarius and Brady Quinn, there were some issues. Right, like, yeah, you know. So, I mean, you're trying to beat USC one year with Eric Chappelle. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, you know, overlining. Yeah, I think it's just a phase. I think it's a phase that all it really takes is one. And most people will look at uh, Deshaun Watson, and they'll look at Trevor Lawrence, and they forget about Taj Boyd, who was right. the one who really kicked the door in. Right. You know, for right. those Clemson quarterbacks. So, you know, you just you just need one. You know, Notre right. Dame needs their Taj Boyd. 
to kick the door in and then set the precedent. Right. And then hopefully, you know, the quarterback room will go accordingly. Right. And go from there. Yeah, because if Ta- if Taj is Charlie Whitehurst, then you don't get Deshaun Watson. No, right? You're 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 getting the next Charlie Whitehurst. You're getting Cole Stout. You're getting guys like right. that. You're not getting Des- you know Deshaun Watson. And then you, right. because you got Deshaun Watson and the success he had, you get Trevor Lawrence, and then you get DJ, yeah. and then you get Kate Klubnik. And yeah, you're right, Sean. It's cyclical. But at some it's point in time, you got to turn it around because sometimes you go so far yeah. down a dark path that it's like, yeah, you know, I'm not going there. Heck yeah. George Delaney, thank you for the super chat. We appreciate you. So appreciate you, George. Much. Hey man, thanks for doing this with me, brother. Like I said, this just took place of our usual hour and a half, two-hour phone conversation on a Friday night. We decided to share our conversation with you, Irish fans. Once again, Lucky Lefty Podcast. I mean, got my boy substituting for left tonight. See you my best. You can catch us, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and CFB Nation. Give us five stars. Leave a great comment. Lock us in. Get the automatic download going. We'd appreciate you. It's great content. Not only Lucky Lefty Podcast, but everyone else on CFB Nation. You don't want to miss it. And we're going to be doing a couple of crossover shows with SI's All-American Recruiting Guru. CFB Nation partner. I do. Right. John Garcia. He's the best. He's the best. You can go watch his video right now. His podcast is up where he talks about Bo Edmondson, Dante Moore, Michigan State, flip season in totality around college football. It is 25 minutes of great information. Go to CFB Nation right now. Tap in with him. Great content there like that all the time so from my main man brian driscoll we hope you guys enjoy this evening you know i tried to go into the uh oh kl yes we will be live immediately when the clock hits double zeros yeah lucky lefty will be live and then you can tap over to Irish Breakdown right after that. They'll probably be – you guys are usually like 30 we'll go minutes. Live, we'll go live a little bit sooner than normal just because I'm not at the game. Right, right. So, But I do have a couple articles I'll get done. So we'll probably like 15, 20 minutes after the game. And then when you guys wrap up, you'll hop on with us. Yeah. With me hop on Ryan, Ryan won't be on the post-game show tomorrow for us because he's driving back. But, hey, yeah. Sean, you know the way our post-game shows, though, it's a two-hour drive for him. So – I say, you know, you may you may get back at the end of the show. You might catch <laughs> a full hour. Still yeah. might be going. Yeah. yeah. Facts. <laughs> so that's it. KL, both shows. You can lock in. And if you miss us live, CFB Nation, Irish Breakdown, catch the podcast for both shows. So for Brian Driscoll, I'm Sean Davis. Get some rest. It's an early start tomorrow. And hopefully – the Irish will have another great early start on the road, just like they did against Syracuse. I don't know if it's going to be the first play from scrimmage, pick six, but hey, here's looking at Notre Dame getting an impressive win tomorrow and turning the corner. Get some sleep, Irish fans. We'll see you early tomorrow and after the game tomorrow on Lucky Lefty Podcast and Irish Breakdown for both post game shows.